hey, you're listening to Chew on that. Here's what we're chewing on today. So when you hear this verse, his grace is sufficient, it doesn't quite connect to our heart. It doesn't quite move us or excite us, especially when we are hopeless, which is the series we've been in. And so let's learn today what it really means and how it can help our hopelessness, God's sufficiency. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew On That. It's a podcast uh, where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the most current sermon series happening at Life Church of Green Bay. Uh, I'm Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor of Life Church. Joining me today is my great friend, Keith Archquetz. Archquet, Archquetz. This is where I talk. Archquet. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, you weren't wrong. You just div- definitely didn't look confident. Yeah, yeah. All right, Archquet. Archquet. Archiquette. Just like, like it a, looks. It's like a Spanish name. Nope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally know it's a French name because it's quet. It's totally got to be French. It's French. Shut up. You don't even know then. Nope. Yeah. Marquette is French. <clears throat> That's cool yeah. for Marquette. But like Archiquette is the same way. It's it's Oneida. <gasps> no. Well, but then, I mean, Pretty John Nicolet, right? At this point, we should probably just roll. Wait, can we just talk about something for a second? We can talk about whatever, this is really important. whatever you'd like for a second. I mean, can we talk about indigenous for a second? If you want. Because in the news right now. It's your show. It is my show. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> in the news right now, right, they're talking a lot about indigenous schools, right? Indian schools. And so, and, you know, I never really knew. Again, this goes back to this thing. Like, why didn't someone tell me this? Yeah. I was never told this. So anyway... A few years ago, I went to Mesa, Arizona for the Alpha Conference and was driving around trying to find a jack-in-the-box or a Waffle House. I was trying to find one of them. And then- uh, get, the, the, get the number one at the jack-in-the-box. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But one of the main thoroughfares in that part of Mesa was Indian School Road. And I thought, this is such a weird name for a street. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, in recent news, I'm like, that's not just a thing. That's a thing. And then in the news, they're talking about how there's like these indigenous schools, these Indian schools, like up in Canada and all over North America, where apparently when we like took over land and like set up like the crappiest corner of that land, you know, for the indigenous tribes. And then we would take their kids from them and we would send them to a school where we could indoctrinate them into our way of thinking and our history and our culture. And then, but there's schools where they're finding these mass graves of these kids, like I mean, did the kids all get sick? Did they, or is it the worst possible scenario? Um, be, because of my love for humanity, I, I want to think that there's a glimmer of hope, but my stomach, my heart, and my head tell me it's probably the worst case scenario because history is almost always the worst case scenario. Gosh. If if you're not uncomfortable uh, while you while you read history. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not reading history. And I don't know what it was like when you were growing up. I was never uncomfortable reading history, mm. right? That, that uncomfortableness was not part yeah. of the history book, right? We were the heroes. We were supermen. We were, you know, always righteous. You know, we were always, you know, and yeah. I mean, come, uh. it, it, I, I grew up in Green Bay in, uh, in the nineties and Green Bay in the 2020s is different. Yes. Um, I'll agree with that. So yeah, it it was a different experience growing up than than I than I believe other other children had, um, and and that's um, it's sad, and it's also um, hopeful because of how society is slowly 
but surely changing its point of views and its thoughts. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm always the forever cup half full person. Um, but yeah, our our community has has evolved in in the time that I've been in alive in the community. Um, but it, yeah. It, probably another whole nother podcast. It probably is. I, I thought I, I just, I did not sign up for this podcast. Yeah. I just, when I think about it, I just, cause it was just a few weeks ago that we were celebrating like the 50th anniversary of like this thing in Tulsa, like the Tulsa riots where like there was this really flourishing African-American community in Tulsa, Oklahoma that were like, it was like a flourishing community. Like they were like middle-class upper-class, right? Like and they, they, it was like this part of town that was just, it was theirs. And then a bunch of angry, not black people burned it down. And like, what is the, like, I never heard about that. Yeah. How were, how were all these people killed and this whole part of town destroyed? I never, anyway, again, probably another podcast. Anyway, I also, while we were talking, looked up Archiquette on uh, Google. Oh, that's great. And so awesome. Cause it doesn't lie if it's on Google, sure. but the, I didn't find a lot, but the one that I did find on the most reliable source, which is you know, Yale.edu. I feel like they would probably. Yeah, like sure. Yeah. Sure. They're, they're, they're an Ivy, Ivy, Ivy League right. school, right? And so they have there the John Archiquette collection where it says this collection chiefly consists of professional, professional, personal papers of John Archiquette that document events and activities of the United Tribe of Indians between 1876 and 1919. Wow. So and, I, was I right? Well, see, but then there's these other things like under Urban Dictionary. <laughs> The Archiquette is a giant-like creature with French ancestry. So, I mean, I, I, Urban Dictionary. Well, I can tell you this for certain. Um, I, I I took one of those uh, one of those ancestry. Oh yeah, uh, things, and and I don't think it came back French. Huh. Well, I mean that it wouldn't. I mean, yeah. Right. Like I feel like by name it wouldn't, but right. any more than. But then why? I don't know. Again, this is a whole other podcast. Right. I mean, I, I feel like at any point in time, someone could have said, "Hey, that's that's the last name." Yeah. And it didn't matter where it came from. Right. Um, there isn't a lot of us left. I know that. Mm. Uh, Do you suppose you're related to this John Archicard? He seems like kind of a big deal. Well, it's it's definitely not like a Smith or a Williams. So yeah, I feel like you'd got to be related to him somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I would definitely say it's a possibility. Mm. Yeah. Because there's also a, a, a Paulus mentioned yep. as well. That's, and I that's, know for sure yeah. that's an Oneida yeah. thing. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, this has, been, this has been a really fun Thanks podcast. Thanks for joining us for Chew on that. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I'm totally just kidding. So like I said, the point of this podcast is to dig deeper into uh, the most recent sermon. And that uh, was the last of the sermons in the uh, What to Do When You're Feeling Hopeless uh, sermon series. And this one was with um, Pastor Sonny, and she was talking about uh, the sufficiency of God. And so uh, maybe what we could do is, uh, to get off of the topics that we're on, maybe we can jump right into that uh, first soundbite from her right now. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here, that's your fault, with me, she, that's her fault, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, it's his fault, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Uh, <laughs> when I was young, there was a cartoon called Family Circus 
in the newspaper? A newspaper was this thing that would get printed and delivered on your doorstep. I was born in 1982, Scott. Anyway. I know what a newspaper is. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, one of the ones that always made me laugh was there was this like, this ghost kind of creature that would show up every now and again that said not me on it because like she would always ask like who spilled the milk and who ate all these cookies and who and it was always like the not me everyone would point to the not me and I feel like I liked that because it's like that's our human condition like we're always ready to blame somebody else like even from the jump right like even from Adam like why did you do this it wasn't me as the woman and then he asked the woman wasn't me it was a serpent right and so like (laughs) Like, that's just, that's how we are. Like, we just want to blame somebody else because we don't want to bear the brunt or we don't want to bear the ownership of that. It's just, it's just part of who we are. And I, you know, I watch my kids do it. Like, if my kid, like, I mean, whether it's a fart or whether it's, you know, something's missing or something got eaten, like, or if something bad happened and he knows that he did something bad, but he wants to assign blame for why he ended up having to do something bad. Like, it's just, that's what we do. Like, we just... We're always looking to blame somebody else. And I feel like when we talk about, I don't know, finding hope or or trying to be sufficient, I mean, that's a great place to start is the fact that, listen, you can start owning the stuff that you've done. You got to start owning like your mistakes or owning your bad decisions because, I mean, we've spent a lifetime doing that, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 w- I was expecting a question. Oh, um, what uh, do you think about that, Keith? Uh, well, I, I agree. Um, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm what, you, what you'd consider not a risk taker with, with most everything in my life. Um, and if you don't take risks and you only do things that you're good at, the possibilities of uh, making mistakes are slim. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not a carpenter whatsoever. I can't build anything to save my life. I have come to, I've come to terms with that. Um, so I don't even try. I, I don't try to uh, learn new things in that regard because I'm not apt to it. Um, which, from an outside perspective, that may be kind of like, oh well, he's found peace with that. Mm. Um, but that also is a, it's it's actually to kind of like make it so I, I don't have to make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to apologize for being so terrible at something. Um, I had a conversation just like two weeks ago about, um, and it was just, a, it was a joking conversation, right? It was like a, a, a sarcastic, well, I'm pretty sarcastic by nature, um, which probably isn't great. But I was having a sarcastic conversation with my wife and she said, oh, and you never admit when you're wrong. Mm. And and that that hurt so much, like, um, because like there's that the element in your head where you're like, does she really believe that? Yeah. Like, because I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. Right. Like I am just a, 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 a sopping ball of generally being wrong. And if I exude that it's because I've, I'm just not doing anything that I would do to become wrong. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not difficult to do a routine life every single day, mm. do the same things every single day. Because you know your results you're going to get every single time. So, I mean, this is an interesting concept to eliminate all possibilities of failure to ensure success. Right. So, but then there's a cap on the success. There when you do that. Is. There is, there is. It, it's absolutely something um, I've, I've thought with my entire life. I, living up to your expectation is really easy if you set your bar really low. Right. Right. And then when, when you, that bar has become 
obviously low. Raise the bar just a hair, but not so much that you could be exposed. Right. Hmm. So yeah. that's what I got from that is yeah. that, that um, well, sure, everyone's want to point, points their finger out because then they're exposed. Their faults are laid before before everyone else. And so our, by, by nature, a, a lot of people like myself, I just, I just won't try those things. Yeah. But if we don't, I mean, I feel like this is a t-shirt already, but if we don't try anything that we've never done, we're never going to accomplish anything new. We're just going to keep, you know, doing what we've mm-hmm. always done. We're just going to, I mean, there's no, what sense of accomplishment is there in, in just doing what we've always done? Right. So I I guess, I mean, you can fill it out and do the best of what you've always done, but I don't know. I've been, I've been counseled by some people in my adult life, um, as I, as I journey through things and, um, and the, the actual solution that they told me when I was counseled, discipled, um, ministered on, um, is that it doesn't sound like you actually have like a, like a failure problem. You actually have a success problem. Like you're afraid Mm, yeah, that you're actually going to be okay at something else and you have to do something different. Mm. And I, I agree with that hundred percent. Like I, I, I myself fear success more so than the failure. Let me ask you this. You know, I mean, we're two friends sitting at a table, right? right? No one else is here. I mean the whole, the whole five minutes of the first part of the conversation right. weird. So people here on staff push you a lot, right? They push you a lot towards something that's not video production, Right. right? Right. They push you towards ministry, right? Because they see wisdom in you. They see Christ in you. They see, you know, leadership in you. So they, they, you know, a lot of people push you, but you're like super resistant to that. And so, um, do you think that's that? Um, well, I think we should fill in the blanks. Like, Hey, I'm Keith. I, uh, I do the videos here at Life Church. Oh yeah. Sorry. Hey, joining <laughs> me too. It's Keith. Archer. He's like the video guy. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I, so I'm on staff and I, my main focus is, uh, is video production. Um, the stuff we see, um, the, the, the camera and production team, right. I'm, I'm a lead on that. Um, making sure kind of the Sunday doesn't fall off its wheels. Right. right. So for any of you that don't know who I am, which I'm guessing probably a lot. Uh, I do the videos here at Life Church, right. and by all accounts, it's world class stuff. Thank you, sir. Yes. So back to your question. Right. Um, what was it? What was it? What was the question? Because you know what the as, question as soon, was. As soon as like I was like, Boop. you were talking about how you've got a success problem that you won't oh. try anything new because you're afraid that you won't succeed at it. And do you think that that's the pushback that you give when people here see a gift in you and like try to push you towards it and you resist it? Do you think that that's a success um, fear? Maybe, maybe, uh, I, I take the, the, the term pastor, uh, as, um, that title comes with a lot of weight Yeah, and, uh, biblically, biblically. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, I've, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a believer of, um, I should just be given to me like, like, I'll just go print off a piece of paper yeah. from, from, uh, the, from the yeah, copy machine. I, sorry. Um, so I asked I, you a question. I don't let you answer. So when I, when I, when I, no one's trying to give you a piece of paper though, bro. I know that like, like people it, see that you've achieved it. People see that you, that you're that already. You just don't have the paper. You just don't have the thing on your business card. You're discipling people. You're pastoring people. Right. You're leading people. Yeah. You're ministering to people. Right. You understand God's word. You chase God. Like all the things that the Bible tells us that a pastor should be, you're doing 
out of the video bay. You know what I mean? And so I don't think anyone's trying to throw a piece of, I don't know why I'm arguing right. with you about this right now. <laughs> um, I, 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 I prayed and meditated on it. And because I'm fearful of my left, my own devices, that is of man. Um, I, I've come up to a, like a kind of a conclusion that when, when this thing happens, um, that I will, I will absolutely become a pastor. I absolutely, without a question or a doubt, that instant say yes. Um, and that's very cryptic, especially because I know that people again are listening to this. They have no, probably don't Doesn't even know matter. Why. But anyway, um, because I'm fearful that if it's of man, um, it won't be good. Hmm. And and but I mean, how does I mean? You know, it's not like God's going to show up like a genie, right? No, Big blue no, Will no, Smith no, no, no. thing, right? And no. just kind of grant you this pastorship. Mm-mm, no, that he's still going to have to use man to deliver the news, mm-hmm. right? To to sign the paper. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's still going to be a man element to it. There absolutely will. You know, I just I don't know when when this scenario that like on prayer meditation when I when this scenario comes forth, um, I'll do it. And it's a, it's like not like a seventeen uh, elephants need to come walk. It's like not a difficult one. It's one that could happen literally right now. Um, but that that's kind of where I stand on on, right. on me becoming a pastor. I really hope this doesn't make the podcast. Yeah, it's totally not on the podcast. What are you talking about? This all gets in. So, but this is good stuff, right, for people to know. Yeah. Like, I mean, like people deal with this. Like, not everyone's trying to be a pastor, but people are like, God's giving them direction to be something, and they're like resistant to it because they're afraid of trying to do something that they've never done. Maybe resistance, a, 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 a like a, that's a, maybe that's a tough word there. Um, questionable, um, timid, um, humble. Yeah. What was Jonah? Do you think? Hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nah. Well, I mean, that's a straight up. He was like, hey, do this. And Jonah was like, mm, cool. No, um, uh, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> All right. Okay. I just want to make sure. Anyway, let's jump into the next soundbite. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. This is what sufficiency looks like. God came and clothed them out of their shame. God's goodness is what had him cover them with fur because leaves weren't enough for him. He is good even in our failure and our blame game and our hiding. Even when he finds us hiding from him, his grace is sufficient. That's a... (laughs) feel like you knew that one was coming. No, I didn't. I did not. I did not. Tell me why you say that. Well, I, I mean, piggybacking off of what we just spoke about, that's, yeah. It can be, I, I suppose it can be used in a thousand different applications for well, tell a, me what you heard, a million different lives, but God's good enough. God's good enough. And, and he'll give you what you need when you right. need it, exactly how you need it. Right. Even when we try to fashion it ourselves. Even when we try. Grab to- something. Grab that leaf. Yep. Right? Because like, oh my gosh, you guys with the leaves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let me skin this thing or whatever. <laughs> I, there's something I, I like. I I don't pray really about myself. Like ever. Um, I, I, I've, I've since passed praying for myself. Um, years ago. I've, I've been on this path for, gosh, almost 20 years. Um, I came to Christ in a very tough and very tough situation. It was either Christ or death. Mm. And, um, 
and I chose Christ. And so on a daily basis, I thank God for for saving me because he didn't have to. There was no rhyme or reason why he did. But as I've gone through this for years now, there has to be a reason, right? God's grace is sufficient. Either God is or he isn't. Yep. He can't be both simultaneously. And I pray on that a lot. When, I'm in, when I have my back against the wall, when I have, when I just don't know how to pick up myself back up, either God is or he is not. God cannot be both simultaneously. Right. And if I trust that God is, then I trust that God is with everything. You know, even if, even if it's a fig leaf, right? Right. God is or he is not. Either God will show up or he will not. And if you're a believer, God's always there. He's always showing up. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, yeah. I, lo- I love that. My, my prayers aren't, aren't for God get me out of this mess anymore. Yeah. God, help me just put the bottle down for one day, please, God. Right. It's not those anymore. Um, I pray for other people so frequently. Like, that's it. And then the only other prayer I have is, God, please disclose, disclose the knowledge of your will for me mm. and then give me the power to execute on it. Yeah. Either God is or he isn't. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I love that. I almost feel bad adding something to that because I really feel like we could just move on from there because that's really good. But there's just something about this, uh, about what Sonny had said there where, you know, here, here Adam and Eve, like, like disobey the biggest thing, the big, it was the biggest disobedient, 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 this, dis, dis, act of disobedience. Sure. In the history of mankind, right? Like the worst act of disobedience. And so like, you know, for me, if my kid's doing something wrong, right? I stop them from doing something wrong. I tell them they do something wrong, but it's not like I help them clean up the mess afterwards and now clean that mess up. And I'll sit in that now, rah, 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 right? I hope you rah, rah. don't come crawling to me. Rah, rah, rah. Like that's, you know, that's our nature as parents. A lot of us yeah. I, I'm kidding. It's not really me. I would never do that. Like it makes me sick to my stomach right now. Just even pretending to say that, but like, I know that there's a lot of parents who do like, that's our nature as parents. Like, well, these are the consequences of what you've done, right? That's, that's, I don't know how we were parented and how we turn around and parent. But God's like, oh my gosh, you guys have totally screwed this up. And sure, there's still consequences, but like, I don't know, like as a parting gift or as like a, let me help you. The fullest way that I can right now is to field dress this emu or something and like, <laughs> and like give you its skin to wear so you're not walking around with a stupid leaf on. Like I feel like I love this act of God where he's like, I, I can't not kick you out. I can't not keep you from the tree of life. I can't not, you know, I can't not, I mean, I, I can't right. disobey myself. And so, but I can, you know, help you. <laughs> Here's the best way I can help you. Right. And even, and even beyond that, like, it's like he could have turned his back on all of mankind then. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Adam and Eve screwed it all up for all you guys. Good luck with that. Well, I mean, just on the, 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 the term of calling it the greatest sin of all time, like, I mean, they just ate from a tree, right? Right. I mean, like, let's 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 break this down to God tells you directly not to do that, and they do it anyway. Don't don't cop up to it and just be like, "Hey, it's homegirl's thing." Yeah, homegirl's like, "Dude, it's a snake, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. You know the snake, right?" But it, I mean, how is 
other than the fact that God was face to face, I'm presuming, or presence to yes, face. for sure. That holds it more merit than God has told us to do, not do several things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gives a list, a list of 10 of them. Like these are like, these, come on, these are easy wins, guys. Right. Don't do this, yeah. don't do this, don't do this. Easy win. Just don't do that. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Easy win. But yet we repeatedly do that. We do the opposite. Yes. So as we term it the greatest sin, um, is it because God was pretty much face to face and said it directly? And is that a, a heavier sin mm. than God telling Moses and then them reading it off of stone tablets? Right. What makes them greater sins? Yeah. And the yeah. pastor in the room, I think you should have an answer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So that'd have been funnier if it was on. Anyway, um, I feel like it's the greatest sin, the greatest disobedience of all time, because it was it was like the one. It was so easy. It was so easy to obey that, like you said, it was eating a tree. Mm -hmm. How bad is that, right? But then on the other side of that same coin, how hard is that? It's like a tree, yo. Like, just don't eat from this tree. There's a bajillion other trees in the garden. Which leads me to believe that we've always been destined to not obey, mm. right? And God foresaw it. He foresaw it all. Right? Yeah. He saw I mean, the, he knew, The right? million solutions, million scenarios of all of our lives with simple choices that yeah. we make. He definitely wasn't surprised. Right? He wasn't shocked. Right. Right? Yeah. What I do in the day doesn't shock him. What you do in the day, what Adam and Eve did didn't shock him. You know, wasn't surprised, but like, what what I love about Genesis, right? Every time I reread it, um, I mean, you could skim by those lines pretty quick, right? Yeah. All right, so they from the yeah, yeah. I know this story. Right, on, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Okay, got that. But when you just dissect one sentence of it and be like, well, why is it called that? Mm. Well, well, what what is the big? I mean, it's a, you're telling me that eating from that tree is bigger than the annihilation of right seven million people. People, I don't, yeah. I don't see how this can, but yeah, that's Genesis. Genesis is, every sentence is, you, you, we could have a podcast on a yes. singular sentence and not come up with any answers and come up with all the answers simultaneously. Right, yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's good. Um, but what we're learning is it's not on us to make our kids happy. And that stinks because we want to control that. We feel like for most of their life we got to control their sweet little world and change things to make them happy. But we aren't sufficient enough for our kids. We won't find something to fill the void in their heart if they aren't 100% in with Jesus. I included this soundbite because I feel like, I mean, family is everything. It is for me anyway. And the, the notion that I'm responsible for my family, that I'll answer to God for my family, as you alluded to, I'll also answer for, you know, the people, the, the people that God has put, um, God has assigned to me. Right. You know, I'll answer for that as well. But like, sometimes I feel like I, I'm not doing enough, you know, like I, like I am insufficient to be everything for them 
And I spend too much time trying to prove to them that I'm everything that they would ever need. Like, I want to be their friend, but I also want to be their dad. And I want to be the authority, but I want to be, you know, their nurse. And I want to be their, you know what I mean? Like, I just, you know, I've spent the last 12 or 15 or 34 or 31 years, you know, trying to be everything to my kid. But like, what, what part of, of their faith, what part of their walk, what part of that am I leaving off? Like, in what way am I, am I not claiming the insufficiency of my ability to address their faith, to move their faith along, you know? Because I, I mean, there's things I do, right? I get them to church. I, you know, pray with them. I, you know, share with them right from wrong, right? But I can't tell them everything. They've got to get that from God. God's the only sufficient person to fully expose or illuminate who he is to them. I don't know. How do you, apart from the obvious things, prayer, Bible reading, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to blah, blah, blah dismissively, but just, I mean, we all, sure. Like, like, how are you exposing your kids uh, to a relationship with God? Boy, that's not something you can, I guess, for me, I can sum up in, in a singular sentence. Um, well, our, our journey started at Life Church uh, when, when, my, when my first, when my son was born. Um, my wife, uh, me and my wife were confirmed Catholics. We, we had at least like the seeds of, of I guess, biblical study. Um, at at that point in time, I had I had come to Jesus. Um, uh, aside from her, uh, years before, and I was kind of plateauing spiritually. I suppose. Um, I we came to Life Church because uh, I didn't really know how to be a dad, and and I was incredibly fearful on. Um, I'm screwing it up really bad. Mm. So I it was more like a betting game. Like I bet you if we put him put our son through through church and make friends with people at church and do church things, that statistically speaking, he might not grow up to be a psychopath. <laughs> and so that's what we did. Um and then as I as I I, I finally met like people that like I guess spiritually were, were, were with me. Right. I mean, I, I was, I was always on like the spiritual, spiritual growth path since coming to Christ, but never really pushed. Right. So I, I would, I get so far in, a, in, in a lot of time, right. Where I feel like now in life church and the position I've been to disciple and serve on teams, um, that has accelerated greatly. But I'd say for the first 15 years or so, 14 years. Um, it was kind of just dipping my toes in, taking my time with it. Um, so with, with my son and then my daughter was born shortly after, um, we just did what, what was suggested of us to do, right? Pray with them, tell them your faults when you're wrong, say, sorry, yeah. that was my bad. Um, try not to swear around them. I mean, I was an avid swearer for a lot of years. Uh, I've tried to sense 
improve my language, improve what they what what's on the television. Yeah. You know, we can throw some 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 Jesus focused material for the kids to watch, and became like routine a routine habit of this is how we live. Yeah, right? we live like Jesus people, right? We live the best we can, but we're not perfect. You know, we also, me and my wife, we, we don't placate around like we are perfect because we, we aren't. Yeah. Um, we don't try and pretend. And I, I don't know, my, my kids are six and five, and I think it's working. But I don't know if you, do you ever know? No. Do you? No. I, I know that the Bible tells me I'm accounted for these kids. It's one of my biggest ministries I have, right? Most important ministry is the one in your own house. I don't know. I know that I will be held accountable for those two. Will be held accountable for the ministry inside my home, more so than the other things, I suppose, or less. But I know that I'm going to be held accountable, and I don't. I don't know. I think I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing it right. Can I be better? Yeah. Could I be worse? Oh yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I, there's no good answer there. There's, and I know if I was listening to this podcast, I'd want somebody with some quote unquote authority to tell me you're doing good. I don't know. I don't know. If if my kids grow up to love Christ and follow Christ, and not be psychopaths, I think I did it right. Yeah, I That's think it. you did it right too. There's no recipe there though, right? Prayer, pray about everything. I pray with my kids a lot. Prayer is not not unusual. Yeah. You know, we pray before meals. We pray just every night. Sometimes we just, my kids will come up and say, are you praying? Yeah. Yeah, I'm praying. Pray, just pray about everything, right? That's all I got on that. But three years later, when we arrived in Green Bay, which is now eight and a half years ago, I just shifted my God complex. I shifted it to the lobby and via text message to all of you. I was convinced for the last eight years that if you could just see me in the lobby or get a text from me, you would be saved. You'd go to heaven because you would be loved and see Jesus in me. A God complex says, I can be strong, not weak. I can handle this pressure with no break, with no exceptions to my availability. A God complex says, if I don't provide for these people entrusted to me, they will go. I feel like this is the perfect follow-up to our conversation, right? Because sometimes as parents, that's the tact that we'll take. We'll say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show them love. I'm going to show them how to love their neighbor. I'm going to show them how to give and serve at church. I'm going to show them, you know, and just by being around me, they'll pick this up, right? They'll, they'll get it. You know what I mean? And so sometimes as parents, I don't feel like we take an, an active, like hard line, position in our kids faith like hey like (laughs) you know tell me more about what you believe about god like tell me more about this or tell me more about that like sometimes we just kind of like hope that they pick it up by osmosis or the fact that they're in our presence will be enough like sonny had said and i just i mean i don't know that that's enough I don't know that that's enough. Like my kids can't watch how kind I am to the world. And then me just assume that they're just going to be like, okay, well that's how it's done. Like, 
it takes conversation and sometimes it takes work. It takes confrontation. And I don't know if, if parents are always willing to do that, I guess. And so, I mean, like I said, this was actually just really just served as a decent follow-up to the question before that sure. or the soundbite before that. Well, that soundbite I took, I took completely different as you were, as you were, as you were talking oh, all right. about, um, but on, but on what you're saying, um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can be, you can be a hundred different things and, and not get the result you want with your child, I suppose. Right. I mean, the, what the serial killers always say that like, like, well, his parents were fine. Yeah. You yeah. know? Where, where, where was the you disconnect? go there a lot. Is it really a big concern for you that your kids are going to be like psychopaths or sociopaths? I, or no, no. Right. Um, but um, I, I came to Christ. It was uh, one an unstoppable force. It's a immovable object yes. sort of thing. It was, um, I, 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 I'm a recovering drug addict. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And um, to explain to a six-year-old that story right now doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, there was nothing that was going to be told or taught to me prior to that, I suppose, that would have altered the trajectory of my life to that moment. Right. So it was very difficult in that regards to 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 talk with a five and six year old. I think as the, as the years go on, that will be a lot easier. Um, we can, I can, I, I can relate stories with that. But yeah, my fear is that they they do become drug addicts. That is a giant fear of mine. Um, can I stop it? I don't know. I hope, I hope I can. And I'll tell you what, put them around other kids that are following Christ probably is a way better effort than not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but who knows, right? But you said that, sorry, before you just answered that, you said you were coming at it from a different angle. Which mm-hmm. angle are you coming at that? Well, I, the literal sense of what Sonny's talking about. Um, so I've had the great fortune of having probably all of my closest friends now have gone through Life Church. I say gone through because most of them don't go here anymore. And that's sad when your friends, because I mean, there were, you know, it's sad when your friends go somewhere else, when they move to other places or when they just go to a different church. You know, so I took that like literally what she said. Um, that is it playing God? I, I don't know. It, it's sad because I, you know, I don't see him every week, and some of them are living on other ends of the country now, and that's sad because I like seeing my friends. Yeah. But the other half of that is, I mean, our purpose is to raise up Christ followers and then send them out. You know, so. It's like a double, yeah, it is sad. It's it's sad that, you know, our church is a little smaller now than it was a couple of years ago. Because a couple of years ago, the room was full of my friends. Right. You know? And so it is a little sad that I don't get to see them on Sundays anymore. Not because of the warm bodies in a room. Yeah. But because uh, I just miss my friends. Right. That was community. Yeah, that was yeah. community. And, but I mean, the, it's told that to go and make disciples, our goal is... I don't know, ministry, I suppose you say, but I, I like to think of it as weaponizing an army. You know, weaponize an army. Make people better versions of themselves through the word, through Christ, and then send them out and say, go break some eggs. Yeah. 
Therefore, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's a guy who was a strong, bold, courageous, God-complex, struggling guy. He liked that the promise was, how do I get strong? Oh, when I'm weak. How do you take that? Um, when I, I when I came to Christ, uh, there's a, I came through uh, recovery groups, and with recovery groups, there's a lot of what what you term as cliches. Yes. And um, one of one of my favorite ones is like I can't keep what I have unless I give it away. Right. It's the it's peace, the peace of mind that I speak of, the the joy I have now. I can't keep that. Um, like I'm. I'm hoarding, right? The only way I, I, I maintain peace. And that's what I searched for my entire life. It's just not wanting to kill myself. Peace. Just being able to wake up and brush my teeth without the lights on because I hated looking at the person in the mirror. Peace. The only way I keep that is if I give as much of it out as I can. And God always replenishes, always gives me more always gives me more it's it's you you can only get to that point of i guess surrender when you're ready to surrender um armies don't surrender because they're 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 winning right i have i have since surrendered because the way my life was i don't know how to live life life on like life's terms you know like the the real world stuff i'm terrible at the only way I've, I've obtained the peace that I speak of is by surrendering, by giving up, by saying, I can't, he can, so I'm going to let him. Yeah. And, I mean, I love that. My, my, the, the strength I have now is only because I was beaten down to a pulp and said, God, just take it. Just take it, do with it as you see fit. Which brings back to the first question, the only prayer I have now is, God, if, if I'm worthy enough, disclose your will for me today and then give me the power to execute on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I feel like when Sonny said that, um, the first time I heard this message was when she did it live on Sunday morning. And, you know, what occurred to me is that, you know, when I think about, when I think about the great witness that I can have or the great testimony that I can share comes out of times when I was the most hopeless, right? Like I was this far down. I was at this, you know, I was at the end of this rope. I was at the bottom of this barrel and that's where God found me. And that's, you know, and so when, when I heard her say that, they made me think like I should, I should cherish the times when I, when I'm up against it, because I know that a, I don't have to worry about it because He's going to get me through it. He's gotten me through it every other, every other time. Why would he not get it through me? Why would he not get me through it this time? And I'm going to have another great witness to share of here's how God got me through this crap. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, so when he, when she talks about how Paul says, I'm going to embrace my, you know, problems or my turmoil or my struggles, because I know that, you know, in those moments that 
I'm not going to be able to get myself through it, but I know that God gets me through that. And I love telling that story. So in that way, I feel like for me, that's how in my weakness, I am strong that, that, um, cause I, I can try to fight it. And like you said, I'm an only, I can only fight so much. I can only fight for so long or for someone who's so tall or, you know what I mean? Like I, I, there's a limit, you know, to my fight, but there's no limit to God's fight. And so if I can just not even step into the ring at all and just say, okay, this is all you, you got this, right? Like you got this. I mean, use me how you need to use me. But like when I relinquish that, that's when, that's when God shows himself or that's when God proves himself to me. And so um, I love that about him. I love that about him and his story in my life. you. You said a lot, a lot of really good stuff there. Um, really good. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, what is this life, if if not a constant battle, right? Yes. Um, but what are we battling over? I mean, like, so I, I gave my 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 life to Christ. Um, oh my gosh, it was the Fourth of July weekend. Was it really of two thousand two? It's the Fourth of July weekend right now. Yeah, nineteen years ago. Wow, that's really that's really neat. Um, but it's been like a teeter tot. It's been a, a, a tug of war back and forth. I think I think a lot of people have that too. Like you can have my life, but I want this portion of it. Hmm. Oh no 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 no. Okay, good. That portion was terrible. You can take that portion, um, but I'm actually going to keep a little bit still of this. And isn't it kind of like this constant tug of war? Like, yeah. and God knows it too. Like. Yeah. I feel like in my life, it's like, this is the piece that I built. Like, I'll give you everything else. I know that I built this piece, you know, cause I was there for that. And so like, you know, I'm exhausted from that. Here are my scars from that. I built that. I'm going to hang on to this. Right. And so not recognizing the fact that we only were able to build that or accomplish that because of who God, because of him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and, and so, you know, God, you can take my addictions. I don't, I, if yeah, you could, if you please. could make that, that'd be perfect. And you know what he did? I haven't had a craving to to drink or do drugs in in 19 years. And for I know the word healed is usually a, a very poor one in recovery groups, but for all intents and purposes, either God healed me or He didn't. Yeah. And if I do what I'm what I'm what I'm told to do by Him daily, I have no reason to believe that today I don't have a healing. Right. Yeah. I am healed today because either God is or He isn't. Yeah. And I think that that also translates in other things of our lives. Like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the big stuff, but I don't know if these finances, I'm going to sort this one out. And then once you finally give that to God, you don't get tested on it again. Really? Right. You know, like, like in my experiences, once I've been tested on something and I pass, I've never had to been tested on again. Yeah. Right. As long as I don't divert backwards. Right. If I keep moving forward, um, and so when I do find myself in struggles, because I do, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I don't want to come across as if like, oh, this, this guy loses credibility because his life is too perfect. My life is full of turmoil still. And my prayer on that is, what, do you, what, do you, what, am, I, what am I missing here? What, 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 what am I not getting? Yeah. Let me know your will. And if, if you find me worthy enough, give me the strength to execute and sometimes that's just, sometimes he's, he says, no, you just need to sit on the bench for a little bit. Just look at the playbook, learn the plays. I'll, yep. I'll get you off that bench when it's time. But sometimes you're not always an active player. Go sit down. Yeah. And my playbook's the Bible. 
right? It doesn't have to be, I suppose, with the, the there's what, nine billion people in the world. It's not the playbook for everyone. But I'll tell you what, in my experience, having that as a playbook, having Christ as my Savior, gosh, my problems are so much, like yeah. they're so much less than they were before. 100%. Some would, some would say what I'm living in is perfection then in that regard. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Hey, I think that's it. We've covered all the sound bites. So I appreciate you guys joining us for this episode of Chew on That. Thank you, Keith, for being here. Um, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, listen, if you enjoyed uh, this episode of the podcast, we'd love it if you would uh, rate or review it on any one of your favorite podcast platforms. We'd also love it if you would share it uh, with your friends who you feel might be able to benefit from these words on any piece of social media that you've uh, got available to you. We just know that um, the more people that can be exposed to the Man, the magnificent love, the nonsensical peace of God and, and his word, the, the better off we all are and um, the better off our world is. And so we'd love it if you would share that. Um, so once again, my name was Scott Eastman. That's my friend Keith. You've been listening to Chew on That. We'll talk to you again next time.